0: series to journey into um, throughout the Bible, um, one, one of the other most difficult um, series to teach on, I have to say, is One on Money. <laughs> That's uh, One on Money. And, and I think right up there with money is dealing with conflict. Um, however, it's the one thing that every last one of us will encounter in life, um, conflict is inevitable it's inevitable it doesn't matter who you are uh, babies have conflict with their mamas <laughs> children have conflict with one another throughout your life you will always encounter conflict and I believe one of the greatest ministries of Jesus uh, many times we think that the greatest Ministry of Jesus was to was his redemptive Um, ministry to redeem us and to buy us back Uh, but really his greatest ministry was one um, of resolution his greatest ministry was the ministry of reconciliation because it was in the beginning where God and man um, because of man's sin toward God and God's word it it brought a separation in the relationship between God and man. And ever since then, the redemptive work has been in process to help bring us back into right relationship with God, and not only with God, but to bring us back in right relationship with man. You remember the scripture where someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? What is the greatest command? What is the greatest need that man has? And Jesus responded because they were thinking, oh, he's going to tell us the greatest command is to not, not to lie, not to steal, not to cheat, not to murder. But Jesus said the greatest command is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. That, that is the greatest command. And the second is like it. it. It runs hand in hand. He says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, hang all of the law of the prophets upon these. In other words, he was, he was breaking down the Ten Commandments and helping us to understand that the first six commandments have to do with our relationship with God. It's that, that vertical relationship we have with God. And the second four, the, the, the next four, of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship with one another. The horizontal relationship we have with one another. How did Jesus say they would know that we were his disciples? He said by how we love one another. So his greatest work, his greatest work was the work of Reconciliation. So that's going to be the, the greatest attack. Hear me on this. If Jesus's greatest work was to reconcile, reconcile God uh, to man and man to God and, and also man to one another, it would be the greatest attack that we will ever face in our Christian walk. So, so, so it, it ought not come of any surprise to us when we ever have to hear any series concerning this issue of reconciliation. It should not come as a surprise to us to understand that all of us, at some point in time in our lives, we will face conflict. But the thing is, when you face conflict, the question is, how will you resolve it? How will you deal with the matter? How will you deal with the matter? Will you you fight or will you take flight? Will you front it or will you allow it to fester in your life? You will face conflict. You will face conflict. Some of us today, if we be honest, all of us are in conflict with God's word. We're always in conflict with God's word. We're always in a battle. We're always in a war with with Lord, can I do what you are calling me to do? In that moment we feel like, yeah, I I can stand on God's word. But there are other times it's hard. Let's let's be real. Let's be honest. There are some times it's hard doing the will of God. Y'all won't be real with me today. That, that, that helps me to understand that if there's a conflict to do God's will, Paul said it this way, um, every time, although God is right before me, I know his word, evil is always lurking. And he says, who will save me from this body of death? Though I want to do good, evil is right there. We're at conflict. We're in a battle. We're waging war against the enemy. And not only are we waging war against the enemy, we're waging war against our flesh and our own selfish desires, amen? Amen. So let us look at our text today. Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. Um, I I will read, let me see, perhaps, um, verses 20. Yeah, I'll read it all, I'll read it all. Here we go, here we go. You have heard that it was said that the people long ago, uh, said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Let me, let me move away. I don't know what's going on back there. All right. But I tell you, Jesus is, is speaking here. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, again, anyone who has, who says to his brother Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go, and be reconciled to your brother then come and offer your gift settle matters quickly with your adversary who who is taking you to court do it while you still do it while you are still with him on the way and he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison i tell you the truth You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. In this particular text, um, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and it's Jesus' most profound teaching um, that you will ever hear about. It's the sermon that's most notably known from Jesus. It's in the Sermon on the Mount that we have heard Jesus' teaching to the disciples when they asked Jesus, well, how, how should we pray? Teach us how to pray. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus shares with them the Lord's Prayer, how to pray. Not only do we discover in the Sermon on the Mount the Lord's Prayer, but also we discover there the Beatitudes, it's the Beatitudes, the attitudes that we must have to be happy, to be blessed. Um, You've heard it said you you've heard blessed are uh, the pure and hard blessed are those who who keep God's word blessed. So if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, he's saying, this is the attitude that you must have. Although it's contrary to, to the world's view, it's contrary to the way people may live life. But if you really want to be blessed, if you really want to be happy in life, God is saying, this is the attitude that you must have. But not only is there beatitudes in the Lord's Prayer, but there are similitudes, there are things in the Bible which, where which Jesus begins to compare the scripture and the teachings of the law. He begins to, te- to compare the, the, the teachings of the law, the, the Old Testament law to the teachings of a new covenant. He begins to show a parallel between these teachings. So when you read in your own time, I want you to read the entirety of Matthew chapter five. And six times you will hear Jesus say words similar to these. You have heard it, say it. And after he presents his case of what you have heard, what's familiar to you, what's what's common in the law of man, he comes back and say after that, but I say unto you. But I say these words. I I know what you have heard. I know what mama told you. I, I know what your homeboy told you. I know what your friends told you. But I'm saying this. I know you heard this in the law, but I'm going to take it a little bit further. He, he builds this contrast. He builds this parallel between the law and the teachings of Jesus. So they're dealing on this particular day with the issue of murder. There's an issue of murder. Jesus says to, to, to the people before him, you have heard it said to the people long ago. Do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. You've heard that before, right? All of us teach our children, please, please don't harm anyone. Don't, don't, don't murder anyone. Don't, don't touch them. We learn it in Sunday school. We, we learn it in church. We learn it in our homes. We learn it in our schools. It's common. We all know this. However, that wasn't enough. Jesus is saying it's, it's not enough just to tell someone don't murder because someone may, may think in their heart of hearts that simply because, because I haven't murdered anyone, because I haven't killed anyone, because I haven't stoned anyone, I haven't put my hands on them physically that, that we don't do any harm to them. And, and someone is thinking in their mind that I'm okay, I'm all right, I, at least I keep the law. I ain't murdered nobody. But you murder their character. I, I I haven't put my hands on anyone. But you kill their reputation. I, I I haven't I haven't touched anyone. I haven't destroyed anyone's life. But you talk down about people. He's saying it's it's deeper than murder. It's it's deeper than the act. No, you may not have committed the action or the act of murdering someone physically. But uh You may have killed somebody along the way. You may have damaged God's reputation by how you have behaved with someone. You may have damaged your reputation, your testimony by how you've dealt with a matter. So just because you haven't laid hands on anyone, just because you haven't harmed anyone physically, don't mean you haven't murdered someone. Don't mean you haven't murdered their character. He says it's more than the act. There there was the law against murder in the sixth commandment. It was there to protect life. It was there that we might understand that life is to be respected. Life is to be cherished. No life is to be taken. Neither one's own life nor the life of anyone else. We're supposed to respect life. He says, you've heard it said, It's, it's familiar. It's familiar but he takes it a step further. Look at verse number 22. He said it's deeper. It's deeper than the physical act. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. He says again, anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool, mm. anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Yeah, yeah. Number one, we may deal with the, the act, the murder, but Jesus says it's deeper than the action, it's deeper than the physical act. He goes on in point number two, he says there's an attitude that we have, the, the attitude of anger gives way. It prompts murder. It prompts physical demise. It prompts physical frustration. It, it it prompts us to kill. He says, we have to go to the root cause of it. He says, murder is, is probably not where it starts, but that's where it can end up. If we're not careful, if we're not careful to deal With our anger, if we're not careful to deal with our temper, if we're not careful to deal with our tongue and we let our anger become uncontrollable. There's there's sometimes have you ever been so angry that you just simply lost all control? Or we won't be real. (laughs) Have you ever been so angry that you said some things you wish you could take back? Have you ever been so angry that, that you attempted and you even contemplated hurting someone? Uh, Jesus Jesus isn't talking to the world. He's talking to church people. He's, he's talking to the religious people of the day. This is real not only in the world, but this is real in the church. This is real in the church. He says that there's an attitude of anger. There's an attitude, and the attitude of anger gives access for the enemy. It's through your uncontrolled anger that makes it deeper. It's deeper than the outward act. It is an inward attitude. The anger he's talking about, here watch this, is is bitterness, it's enmity, it's rage, it's fury. Murder is born from within, From an uncontrolled spirit, from an unregulated urge, from an inner anger. Anger itself is the real sin. It starts with anger. If you don't deal with the issue, when you're having the anger, there's no telling what you might do. Don't wait till you physically hurt someone. Don't don't wait till you contemplate hurting someone. Deal with the anger right away. That's the sin. That's the sin that breaks the law of God. Anger is is the subject to judgment. What does he say in in verse 22? He says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to to judgment. And we think we ought not judge because we ought not be judged simply because I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't harmed anyone anyone. But it's our anger that gives way, that prompts murder, that prompts physical altercations. What what are some common causes to conflict? There are common causes that cause us to be in conflict with one another. This is not on the screen, but I want you to jot this down in your notes. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, what causes? I'm, I'm not asking this question. This is how it's written in the text. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Then he comes back and respond to his own question. He says, don't they come from your desire, that battle within you? He says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask. He's saying that that battles and quarrels and fighting, they come from our own desires. I, I know what we tend to think, every conflict is because somebody else. We, we tend to blame our issues on everybody else rather than looking inward inside of us and say, what. What do I have to do with this matter? Is this conflict because of me? Because the text says all conflicts and quarrels start within us with our own desires. He says, because you want something, but you can't get it. But you're afraid to ask for it. Isn't it amazing? We want something. We desire change. We desire someone to hear us. We desire someone to, to understand us and to comprehend what we're dealing with and what we're going through. And I can tell you more marriages are failing simply because someone feel a certain way, but they're unwilling to say something. So they sit back in their shell and don't say a word. And the text says we have not Because we ask not. And the more you suppress it, the more you repress, the anger, the rage begins to build up. Because you want to say something, but but we'll say, I I ain't got no problem. I ain't got no problem with that. I don't have a problem with this. Yes, you do. let's, Let's really be real. Do you have a problem? Say something. Say something. Common causes of conflict starts with our own desires the battle we have within what what are some of these causes listen we fail to communicate we simply fail to communicate and if you fail to communicate typically when it comes out by the time it comes out it comes out all the wrong way because it, it, they they just push the button. Because we we're at a at a, a at a breaking point. We're at a boiling point. And we're frustrated. And when you get yourself to a boiling point and you never have addressed the issue, you explode. You kick the cat. You beat the dog. You beat everybody in the house. You talk about them. Everybody has to suffer because you've been building up. Pressure for time after time after time. And when it comes out, it's all wrong. Conflict is sometimes rooted in a failure to communicate clearly. When I really want to make sure that that I have been heard correctly, I I just have to ask a person, uh, what is it that you heard me say? Can you repeat it? Back to, this is a practical principle that you ought to try. He said, Ask a person, what is it that you heard me say? Ask them, what is it that you think I meant by this? And very often the person says something back to you that is not precisely what I said, what you said, or what you meant. Have you ever been in that situation? You, I, I, Are you feeling me? <laughs> And you find out, really, they out in left field. I, I don't think we communicate. I, I don't think we, we really feel in one another. I, I, I see why we keep fighting, because we're on two different wavelengths. We, we're on two different frequencies. You, you really don't feel me. So listen, very often the person says something back, that's not what you meant. It's better to clarify communication immediately. Hear me on this. Immediately, rather than let a matter proceed in error. Errors in communication usually do not resolve themselves automatically. Over time, they tend to create more problems and not fewer problems. They they simply just escalate when we fail to communicate how we feel. And, And when someone says how they feel, you need to let them say how they feel. Don't try to cut them off. Don't try to tell them, um, well, you you can't feel that way. Yes, they can feel that way. That's the way they feel. And if they feel that way, you come back and say, well, this is how I feel. But allow them an opportunity to say what they have to say, to speak their mind. Don't get offended because they might be right or they might be reading into it all wrong but allow people to speak their mind. Uh, another reason why, why, why uh, we have conflict issues is because we carry emotional baggage and we project them on other people. We, we all got some baggage. Uh, I don't care who you are in here. There's something that has happened in your life, uh, whether it's in your childhood, whether it happened between you and your children, you and your parents, um, you and your spouse, It it carries some emotional baggage and damage. Yet uh, another cause, this cause, this cause, if a person grows up even in an abusive environment, they are prone to respond to life with a defensive posture. They fight. Everything's a fight. I'm always on the defense. And they're aimed every time at protecting themselves. That's why immediately any statement that comes close to sounding like a harmful message that they heard as a child, it could trigger an angry, self-justifying response. Or, Or perhaps a wall of stone silence just sets in. I'm not saying a word. And silence don't help the matter either. Opinions and motivations which may be far from the truth are projected on the speaker and the result can be a conflict. Sometimes conflicts are are simply a matter of preference. I I may like to wear blue. (laughs) But somebody has a preference saying we're having communion today. Why he ain't put on a red shirt? It's a matter of preference and, and people will, will go crazy. There have been church fights over people saying, well, we're building the new church and and, and, and we, we shouldn't have a glass pulpit. We should have one wooden. Didn't Jesus preach from a mountain? Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> Didn't Jesus preach from a boat? All these places. Didn't Jesus teach on the side of a road? Didn't Jesus teach methods and principles in a garden? However, people will fight and say, no, 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 we got to have a pulpit. Show me that in the Bible. People have fought in churches over the color of carpet. People, It has split churches over the color of pews. Over simply a matter of preference. Is it really that deep? It, do we make things that Personal? well I gave my money I I bought the brick I paid my tithes you you better listen to me <laughs> and we become worldly uh, another reason another reason this this is one I got to be careful of right here that causes conflicts perfectionism if you in here uh, say amen <laughs> perfectionism can be a root cause of conflict as well. A genuine perfectionist cannot accept responsibility for anything that is less than perfect. Can't accept responsibility for anything that's less than perfect. He cannot admit that he is wrong or has erred. Therefore, when something goes awry, the perfectionist tends to become defensive accusatory or angry conflict is always the result they're never wrong that's a part of the perfectionism i don't fit into but there is a way i like things <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like this if you're gonna help me help me the way i need help y- y'all heard it jerry Maguire, help me help you <laughs> help me help you so so there's a way I want things, and, and if you can can feel me on that, then I can hear you. You ever been like that? Come on, let's be honest. Because we... <laughs> folks will come in with their own ideas, and you get frustrated because you say, didn't I just ask you to do this? Didn't... I ain't ask you for all that. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, but today is not the day. <laughs> Pride, pride's another reason that causes conflict in our life, per- perhaps the most insidious cause to conflict is pride. There's nothing wrong with uh, with this issue occasionally. They, you, you, you need to be prideful about some things. But the person who is proud cannot admit he is wrong. The proud person cannot bring himself to say I'm sorry please forgive me, or I made a mistake. The proud person limits his potential to grow because a significant amount of growth comes as we learn from our mistakes. We, we begin to hinder the work of God in our lives. God will sometimes allow conflict in your life and God will will sometimes orchestrate some conflict in your life. But it's how you deal with it that causes you to grow. That causes you to grow. Some people, is starting over again and again and again simply because they haven't learned how to deal with conflict in their life. New relationships, every time you see them. Why? Because they never learned how to deal with with conflict, They never learned how to say, I'm sorry. They never learned how to say, you know what? You're right. I, I missed it on that one. But pride gets in the way. This is one of the number one reasons people have extended conflict. There's some conflict. It, it needs to be done. There's some stuff you've been dealing with for far too long. You've been in that, at that mountain long enough. And we give we allow the anger to be the access and the root in our lives to lead to more and more separation. Then there's the advancement. There's the advancement. See, it's not just the anger, the anger, but we allow it to fester and to grow. Anger starts one way. It's, it's almost like in the Bible, in the in Genesis you see the enemy as a serpent. But by the time you get to Revelation, he's a grown-up, beastly dragon. And that's, that's how our anger becomes. We move from just being a serpent to being a beast. We become a dragon. We, some of us can get so angry, we we we're spitting out fire. The tongue, the tongue, the tongue is an unruly Fire. It, it, it can set flame to things. It advances sin. Uh, this issue of sin and, and conflict and anger, it advances, it advances in our lives. Watch this. It grows and it's, it's dangerous. If we don't deal with it, it becomes dangerous. Unresolved anger will fester. It can become uncontrollable. And give birth to murder. Here it is again in, in, in verses five and chapter five and twenty two. Again he says, But I tell you why why is it important that we deal with conflict? It's important because Jesus says, But I tell you. This this isn't Quincy talking, this this isn't just just me standing here telling you these words, but these words are written in red in your Bible. These words are the words of Christ. This isn't me telling you, he says, but I tell you this is how important it is. That's why it's important to resolve conflict because it matters to God. It's important to God. It stops the advancement of his work and it advances the darkness work in our lives. It advances the kingdom of darkness. There there are three steps, three steps. In the growth of anger that I want to share with you, number one is conceitedness. Conceitedness—the uh, anger. This is the anger that that broods. It's that that selfish type of anger, where it's always about me. It's always about you. It's always you. Everything ain't personal. Hello. <laughs> Everything. Ain't personal. But we think it's about us. Some decisions that are made ain't about you. Some things that have to be done, they're not about you. Sometimes you just gotta play the hand that you're dealt in life. If 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 they they close they the, the, the job down, they give you a pink slip, you're gonna make it about you and go in and shoot everybody in there. That's what happens when people make all issues about them. They take it personal. It's a conceited anger that broods and is selfish. It harbors malice. It will not forget. It lingers. It broods. It it wills revenge and sometimes seeks revenge. A conceited, a conceited.